0: Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Join me in a journey where I speak to Jewish women from all different backgrounds, each sharing their own stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions. I'm your host, KK, and my next guest is someone that helped me when I was an early childhood teacher. The advice that she gave me for how to handle a toddler classroom still sticks with me today. Ariella Metal is an educational coach, a mindset master, and a mompreneur. She has been inspiring teachers and other business owners across the country, yet, No matter who you are and what you do, you can gain so much just by listening to her story. This conversation with Arielle Metal from Teach Their Soul is not to be missed. But first, I want to talk about Rifki. Rifki is a 17-year-old girl who is a true inspiration. At the start of Ariella's career in education, Ariella acted as a shadow for Rifki in school to help her, as she was born with cerebral palsy and was wheelchair bound at the time. Rifki is a High Lifeline warrior where she has benefited tremendously from High Lifeline's various events. High Lifeline allows people like Rifki to thrive and be their best selves. Even though Rifki was born with different abilities, High Lifeline has helped give her a platform to inspire others with her inner strength. Rifki has showed all of us what it means to go against what the world might expect of you. This coming February, she will be participating in the High Lifeline Miami Marathon. Let's help Rifki reach her goal by following the link in the show notes. And without further ado, I would love to introduce Ariella Meadow. Hello, Ariella. Welcome to Soul Sessions. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I've known Ariella for the past two years right now. Ariella really helped me when I was a toddler teacher at a school, and I was constantly bombarding her <laughs> with questions. How do I handle a classroom? How do I handle a child who, you know, who has more attention problems? How do I handle a problem? who's more? How do I handle a child who's more quiet? And you were always there for me. You're always supporting me and giving me advice. And I just feel like a lot of people will benefit from the information that you will give them, whether they're a teacher or a parent, or they work with kids or with anybody. So you're an educational coach. And you do much more than that. So, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, who
1: you are, and what you do. Um, hi, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, you never know—you um, know—when you like build a relationship with somebody, how, like in the beginning, how that can end up, you know, a couple of years down the line. And it, it's so interesting how in this social media world, how we build relationships, and it's pretty cool actually because. Without it, you know, we met on Instagram. Without it, I would have never met you, which I think is actually pretty awesome. So I'm happy that we get to do this today. And thank you for the opportunity to have a conversation that maybe could help other people. Um, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Of course. And
0: yeah, for this reason, I really believe in the power of Instagram. Instagram does have a lot of, you know, negative sides to it, of course, but Meeting you and other people who are like-minded is one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for Instagram because I wouldn't have ever, you know, gotten to know you. And yeah, I mean, and it's interesting.
1: We we ended up. I ended up meeting a lot of people from different walks of Jewish life. When not necessarily I would have. I think sometimes, um, unfortunately, we kind of get into our own shoals and our own schools and our own little boxes, and it it limits us to a certain extent because there's a whole big world out there of people that we're missing out on you know
0: um
1: so tell me you want me to tell you about myself so i teach kindergarten um in new york or in you know other yeshiva schools that's pre-1a so it's the five and six year olds um i coach other teachers um, on any questions they have and help with troubleshooting or you know Let's, let's try this way, let's try that way when things are not um, going the way they want it to. Um, I obviously have more um, experience with the younger elementary age. So I work with teachers and you know shadows or um, anybody really working with kids. So a lot of like, let's say head counselors or camp counselors will call me and say, these are the things that are happening um, in the bunk. Like, how do I um, how do I fix that? How do I approach these kids better? Um, I, in addition to teaching and coaching, I also have an Amazon eBay business, which is a Look new Look at one. you. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wanted to explore that side of me and see what I could accomplish. So, you know, that's a new endeavor, but I, hopefully it'll be a successful one. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, And the last few years, I would say I've gotten really engrossed in personal growth and motivational speaking, growth mindset, um, and I really feel that it's changed my life for the good. Sorry, excuse me. (laughs) Wow.
0: That's amazing. And how did you get into education?
1: so um i moved after i grew up in la and after high school i went to seminary in crown heights in new york in Bizarifka. Um and part of being in new york also lent itself to having a little bit like a small window of time in the afternoon where i was able to um, get a job in addition to my learning so learning would end at three o'clock and then i was able to work like between three thirty and 7. Now, if you want to work with kids or you want to be at education, between 3.30 and 7 is just not the right time to get involved in that, right? So I kind of put my feelers out. I asked around. I couldn't find anything, couldn't find anything. And then um, I got connected to Sippy Dolphin. Um, The Dolphin family has a daughter named Rifke, and she um, was born with cerebral palsy. And was right after a surgery when I met her and they needed help with her in the house doing um, homework, reading, math, um, doing Hebrew stuff. And they hired me to work with her in her house while she was rehabbing um, and getting better and doing physical therapy after her surgery. Um, In high school at the time? No, I was in seminary. I was already, I was 18, but like you know, young. (laughs) Your seminary was in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to Israel. I I was in New York. Yeah. So when I finished my day of learning in seminary, I would um, basically like go home for a few minutes, um, go back to the dorm for a few minutes and then go to this job. Now what ended up happening is it wasn't just a job. I ended up being really like part of their house, like almost like another sister in the house. It, It just became where I went for Shabbos meals. It you know, Rivki became not just the kid I was working with, but, um, you know, a kid I have a personal connection with. And I thought, okay, this is like this Derek that's happened with this family is kind of the way, um, the way it has worked because our personalities go well, or, you know, I've figured out how to reach her. But then I realized that, um, this one relationship had really impacted the way I approach education and that's with creating those personal connections i mean sometimes i see parents of students that i've taught in the past and i feel like oh my gosh like we need to go for coffee like i haven't seen you in such a long time like it, they become part of the family so to speak I, you know you become i build relations with them relationships with them i become close with them mm-hmm. um and through working with Rifke, who um i needed to get really creative with the way we learned together the way i taught her um she's extremely quick and smart so um you know very often there would be like a um you know it'd be a challenge to get her motivated because she always had like an answer for something and she has uh, she's hilarious has a great sense of humor you know if i wasn't careful we would get distracted cracking up and having a good time so but when i got down to business with her and when i saw her learn um and really develop skills over the time i was with her i was like hey i think i have like a knack for this like i think i could really um explore what it means to like really be an educator that not only reaches that average kid and that kid who's little a little bit beyond the average but maybe i could reach kids who are um don't fit perfectly into whatever boxes we've created for them um, in our classrooms and maybe maybe i could do this so the seminary that I was in had a teacher's training program. So that kind of, I, I enrolled in the program and I learned so much there. And it kind of started off this um, passion and excitement of chasing, almost like cracking this code of how do we reach every child? Cause it's, you know, it's endless. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got started in Chinook. And, you know, Rifky was a real inspiration and the beginning of me realizing that this within myself. Like, I don't believe that if I hadn't worked with her, I don't believe I would have found myself on this track.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. You know, I just think that being a teacher in general is very difficult. You need to have like a certain type of personality and stamina in order to be a teacher just for like average kids, but to like take it a step beyond that and work with children who have special needs or who have different needs from other kids that's just like that's another level how did you feel like how did you discover that you have this knack from the beginning like how did you decide to just work with Rifki from the beginning that's
1: like that takes a lot of thick skin I feel so it does but also there's like a I think it was a combination of my it wasn't from a confident place it was more like I would show up every day and be like, I hope this works. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like whatever I had planned, like I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't, you know, I was 18 years old, 19 years old when I was working with her. And um, I would kind of, but I, but I had this attitude that I could learn and I could grow and I could ask people questions that knew more than me. And I could find a way to reach her in the best way possible. So I kind of went um, with this open mind of I'm not just going to do this the way, you know, everybody does. it. I'm not just going to do like, here's the worksheets. Let's just do the worksheets. Like I kind of approached it from a different, a different place of openness and willingness to kind of try many ways to see what works, what doesn't work. And, and it really, she impacted the way I looked at education. You know, sometimes very often you, you have people who go right into the classroom and then it's almost like Okay, so first I'm going to figure out how to deal with the average kids, and then I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with other kids who have behavioral um, challenges or educational challenges or, you know, all of the above. But I came at it like almost, it was like reverse engineering. Like I started out with, um, you know, a kid who needed the extra help or needed a different way of learning. And then I I went into a typical um, classroom setting. So that basically, that's kind of how I approached it, and I don't, I don't know if I, I was um, so equipped or so knowledgeable, but I was open to learning. I think that was the, the crux of it. When you're open to learning, I feel that you could really um, have an impact, whether you really know what you're doing or not. I think that as as long as you're open to learn, and as long as you find the right resources, you can, and you can accomplish, you know, basically whatever you want.
0: Wow. Wow. Do you feel that when people go into this field of teaching, do you think that's the mindset that they have to begin with? Like, do you feel like people need that mindset in order to be a successful teacher?
1: Yes. I I believe that, I believe with with teaching, actually really with anything in life in, in today's world, Um, you know, the more you learn, like the less, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's really good to know what, you know, and also know what you don't know and be open to constantly seeking out like that information. Like what, what's the book, what's the podcast, what's the YouTube channel that I could open myself up to so that I could get better in certain areas in my room. I don't believe anybody ever really arrives at being the perfect, anything, whether it's a teacher or a mechanic or a doctor, I think that, you know, you go through initial training to be, um, able to do what you set out to do. And then it's really up to you to take the ball and run, so to speak. Right? Like at some point you have to take your own chin into your own hands. So I, I felt as a teacher, and I still feel today that if I want to encourage learning in my students and I want to encourage them to be people who always learn and that's the goal, right? Like, I don't want them to leave high school or leave college or wherever their, their learning may take them, yeshiva or smicha or whatever it is, um, and feel like, okay, I'm done. Like, I've arrived. Like, I've learned everything yeah. there is to know. Like, that's not, yeah. I don't believe that's the Jewish way. I, I believe we're the people of the book. And we're, we're always trying to strive to learn more and that's in anything in life. So if I want them to do it, I have to do it for myself, um, as well. Like I, you, you can't, you can't teach them something that you're not, you don't, you know, you can't teach them a quality you don't possess. Mhm. But you
0: can still be continuing to learn about that. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, have, today, there's yeah. so many resources. There's no excuse. I mean, with the way the internet has has exploded you, you basically can get any information you want pretty much for free okay and right. get better at whatever you you want to do right right no excuses for ignorance <laughs> yeah there no not today not anymore no
0: yeah but you know what Ariella? i just feel that in our society american culture seeping in to our brains that there's this whole concept of like, I made it. And everyone's just looking at the tip of the iceberg. They're looking at everybody else's successful points in their life. And they're like, oh, I just want to get there. I don't want to work hard for it. I don't want to learn. I just want to be this entrepreneur and I want to save the world. And when it comes to like actually doing the dirty work and the whole process, people are, like, allergic to it, you know?
1: I think that's, I think that's true. A comparison is, like, the thief of joy. Like, if you're, if you're comparing your middle or your beginning to somebody's, like, um, you know, peak points in their career or to somebody else's um, success, like, you're, right. you're bound to fail. Like, your superpower is that you're you and there's no one else – like you and you possess your own unique um talents and abilities and it's up to you to cultivate them Um, i think we've in you know this the social media world and in general in life um it's become very exposed so to speak how successful quote unquote right uh, people are so in in that little number of how many followers somebody sees like on a little screen on your phone, you're like, oh, wow, like they're a big deal. They have so many followers, right? Right. But essentially, like, what do you know? You don't know if that person who has 80,000 followers is, you know, that what they've accomplished on Instagram. You don't know if they're successful in other places in their life. You don't know. And I don't want to take away from um, influencers or social media businesses because I do believe that there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. There's a success to be had in that. And um, it's actually pretty, pretty cool, in my opinion. And if you've done it and you've built that, like, call a vote, right. you know? But I think, you know, year, in years past, the, like, you know, nobody knew exactly where people were at with their, you know, their lives and their success and their businesses. I think things were a little bit more private, quiet, <laughs> a little bit less, you know, Starbucks and selfies, so to speak, like, right and that's curated content. I think in today's world, um, we have to be really careful about filtering out that which takes away from our feeling of the ability to grow. So if you keep watching somebody or or looking at somebody and saying, oh my God, they're so like much further along than me. And you know, how am I ever going to get there? If that's the feeling it creates in you, maybe it's worth it for you to not be focusing so much on that. Um, actually somebody I'm friends with on Instagram messaged me this morning. Like don't count other people's sprinkles while your ice cream is melting. <laughs> you yeah, know? Like, I like that. Like you, you focus on you. Um, and listen, I think that it's just important to understand that, you know, the sky's the limit as long as you're willing to, um, have the mindset. Right. Mindset.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you speak about mindset quite often um, there's a growth mindset and there's a fixed mindset that you speak about. Can you just tell us a little bit more about this mentality, about growth mindset versus fixed mindset?
1: Sure. So our school um, here in Las Vegas actually, actually has um, teachers training and an ability to focus on one thing, you know, a topic for a year, a couple of years. So when I first came to school, we were focusing on differentiated instruction, which is reaching every child in the classroom and figuring out the best teaching methods to do that. So over those years of learning about that, we had workshops and books provided and, you know, the things that we needed in order to grow in that area of teaching. Now, about three years ago, I want to say, they started an effort in training the staff on growth mindset um growth mindset was brought about into the world by carol dweck um she wrote a book on it and she wrote about how growth mindset can affect um education and teachers and what what we're doing as educators um is it just for educators or is it for everybody So it is for everybody and I'll get there. So I'll explain first, before I go into what growth mindset is, I'll explain a fixed mindset. So it used to be that people would kind of um, measure their IQ or their grades or their ability to be successful in school or in work and like believe that your basic qualities, like intellect, talents are like fixed traits that you, you can't grow, like, you, you're kind of, like, wherever, whatever you were born with is what you're able to do um, in the world, and that, like, however your brain was developed and whatever, you know, you're naturally good at or whatever you're talented at, like, helps you create success in your life. Um, so, like, for example, if you're naturally great at math, then, you know, you're going to be successful at math, but if you're not naturally great at math, like, you know, you're just not built for that. Try something else. Yeah. So Carol Dweck came along and said, one second, I don't, you know, I don't believe that's, that's true. Um, Our brain, our brain is able to be adaptable and grow and change and, you know, learn more and be more um, as long as we, we have a growth mindset. So for example, I'll give you like a silly example. For me, I have a fixed mindset about baking. I don't bake. Okay. (laughs) And guess what? I say it all the time. I don't bake. I don't bake. But you know what? <laughs> that's not helping me learn how to bake. It's <laughs> keeping me a really in my fixed mindset. Now that's like a silly example, and honestly, it's not the worst thing. If if I need cookies in the house, I buy the cookies, right? Like <laughs> I'm laughing only because I, <laughs> you know I know me. your struggle. <laughs> okay. See, but the point is like if I want to bake, like, then maybe I need to have more of a growth mindset about it. Maybe I need to stop telling myself I can't do something because then, um, you know, maybe I could learn. Right. Right. Um, but that's one funny example. That's like not a big deal and doesn't have a massive impact on my life or anyone's life. But let's say you tell yourself, you know, um, I can't, I can't explore that business opportunity because of because I'm not capable or I don't have the skills or I'll never be able to have the motivation to to get up and do that every day. Right? Like maybe you're right. missing out on a massive opportunity or a massive um thing you can do in your life that will, will have an impact and will you know make you be your best self. Um, so when it comes to fixed and growth mindset, It's really important that we kind of like get out of our heads, so to speak, and think about our thought process a little bit. Um, It's a massive topic and there's a million books to read about it and a lot of, you know, podcasts and there's so like, you know, so much. But as an overview, I think that I could say with teaching my kids about growth mindset, again, I went back to this part of me that felt like I can't teach something that I don't know. So how am I going to develop my own growth mindset? so that I can have a better impact on these kids and understanding like the power of giving them the ability to think outside themselves. So very often when they're little, you know, they say, "Mora, I, I can't, or um, I don't know how to do it, Mora." right? So it's a lot about changing our language and changing the way they think. So I can't do it, Mora. So I'll say, oh, you can't do it yet, right? I'll, mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever gonna finish this, right? Mm -hmm. So retraining their thinking, retraining their words, hopefully will stay with them, you know, as they go on in life. Now, a big thing about um, growth mindset is called metacognition. Metacognition is thinking about our thinking. So it sounds like a, like kind of a funny phrase. And it took me a while to like really understand what that meant. It's basically that when you, what you think about causes, what you do in the world, what you're able to talk about, what you're able to do with your hands, what you're able to accomplish. Um, and if you have this mindset of of limiting yourself, it's very hard for you to get beyond and get, you know, ju- what do they say? Like right, right outside of your comfort zone is like, right. where you, you know what I'm saying? Like to find your success, you have to like get out of yourself, get out of your comfort zone. Right. Um, but it's interesting carol dweck brought it into the the world more in a book form and you know with science and you know in the world but i do believe that this concept has existed for thousands of years within our torah and mm-hmm. specifically um, hundreds of years within um habar Chabad um Hasidus talks a lot about um how your machshava your thoughts um, are actually an expression in this world um now even though you're not saying anything out loud and no one else can hear you, you're actually, it is an expression down here. What goes on in your brain is actually, has an effect on, on yourself and the world around you. So, you know, in, in today's world, you hear all about like the power of attraction or, you know, all of these things that people are starting to realize, but I believe that it's something that we've had, um, you know, yeah. at, at the Jewish people have had for many years we've had a secret long before. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so like, I believe that your machsaba, whatever you're thinking about does affect the things that you do and the things that you say, and actually the things that just become incorporated into your life almost without effort. Okay. So for example, for me, um, one of my, one of my goals was to have an impact on Jewish education. Okay. So, like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, what do I know? At the, at the time that I started my Instagram, I don't know, I was like teaching whatever, only seven years, quote unquote. It's a long time, but like what there's veteran teachers who have been teaching for 25, 30 years. Like they should be the ones to be saying, This is how you do it, right? Right. So, but that's a fixed mindset. I'm telling myself, hey, you know, somebody there's somebody out there who could do this better than me, so I can't do it.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Right.
1: But you know what, the, the said, if you know Aleph, teach Aleph. So Beautiful. I knew what I know. So I'm going to share what I know and I'm going to continue to learn more so I could teach more. Right. So right, right. I know Aleph, I'll teach Aleph. Okay. Now let's learn Bayes, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, right. Like, you know, keep, keep upping the ante so to speak so that I could share with others. Um, I started the Instagram not like to be an influencer. I didn't even really know like what an influencer was. I didn't even realize that people who are like talking about this, like their skirts or they're this or they're that were like making money off of it. I thought it was like spam. like, I didn't really know enough okay. about the app. I just kind of like started. Um, and because I felt like I had something to say and I thought, okay, you live in Las Vegas. There's not like a lot of teachers here. And the ones that are here, you already have like a collaborative work relationship with. um you know here like get online just start doing it so I started and and it was just kind of like this I just needed to say what I needed to say so I got on there I started whatever and it was interesting I got I got good feedback and I noticed people were interested in what I had to say and were growing you know right like we connected because of that and you know impacted in in your classroom um you know and I I if I could affect 10 teachers, right, 10 That's followers, correct. okay, then I could affect 200 children. Right. That's right. Because, because it starts with the teacher. And the reason why I chose Instagram, or the reason why it worked, I should say, and is because um, I don't feel that teachers have tons of responsibility. They have their own lives, and then they have teaching, and then, I, you know, when you get home, you never really leave the classroom. Like, it's always whatever's going on, it's very hard to like compartmentalize yeah. your, your job or like being a teacher and like being at home um, and, and kind of like shifting gears. And um, I felt that teachers don't really have time, especially when they're at home and they're trying to like be with their family or be present there to be reading all the books, to be listening to the podcast, to be watching the things that I've made an effort to watch. Okay. Because I had a natural curiosity and interest in like doing my best. And I think that most teachers want to do their best, but don't always have the time to read the whole book or to watch the whole thing or to do the webinar, whatever. I felt I could give them two or three minutes on an Instagram story or an inspiring like quote or blurb on a post, then maybe they can take things that they, already have access to or they already know and bring it to the forefront of their mind and let it inspire them to have a good day of teaching in two three minutes of inspiration or if they weren't familiar with what i was talking about and it really clicked for them in the two minutes i was talking about it they could go explore that avenue more okay because sometimes in in today's world there's it's like information overload like where do you even start right hi we just lost you for a second. Okay. So, in today's world, it's information overload, it's like, where do I even start with, um, with how I reach my class properly? So, that's kind of how um, the growth mindset has really helped me and, and leaving a fixed mindset. Okay. So, Arielle, you brought up something very interesting. You were saying
0: how a teacher might think that they only have an impact on 10 teachers or 10 kids, but really, you have a ripple effect of. 200 people because those children or those teachers are going to go ahead and you know teach whatever you taught them to the people they're interacting with so we might think we have a small impact but we see that in our small day-to-day actions you actually have a huge impact and you might not
1: even see it right exactly it, you know and i think that very often, like, why didn't I want to start the Instagram or start making an effort to reach teachers? Because I was like, well, who am I? Like, what do I know? Um, And, you know, I think that we have a defense mechanism within ourselves that is there to protect us. So, you know, when you see a truck coming, you're, you don't cross the street, you wait until that big truck passes. Otherwise, you know, You know, you naturally have this ability to protect yourself from danger. Um, And I think that people create danger, quote unquote, or a sense of fear of failure or a sense of um, limitations on things that they want to do because we naturally want to protect ourselves. But if you can go against the grain a little bit and say, so what if I fail? I'll get back up. And I'll try again, or I'll try a different avenue. You know, I don't believe anybody who has success in life, um, like started on a path and, and it was just like a smooth ride from there. And they just like, you know, everything worked out the way they wanted it to. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that people who have true success, and I don't, I don't mean um, only with money, even though that's one way of being successful. I mean, you know, all the pressure points of success to me is, um, you know, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, all of the ways you can have success in life. I I really believe that people only like arrive at having success in things if there is some element of failure or some element of not knowing what you're doing at many points in the road. I don't believe that people just, you know, wake up and they have it all as much as it might look that way on social media or, you know, It might, it might look like it's very effortless, but I do believe there's a lot of work that goes, that goes on behind the scenes when you see successful people. For sure.
0: And then there are other times where you might think someone is uh, successful based on what they're projecting, but really it's not, maybe it's
1: just fake success. So it's important, I think, to distinguish. Or or they're successful or they're successful in one way, but like, you know, they have, they have a hard time with having success in their emotions. So like, are they even enjoying it? Right. Right. Right? Like we're, we're multifaceted human beings. Like I don't believe that we could just focus on one thing and, and that will um, be fulfilling to us. I think that we need to like find that balance, which is so hard. And it's like, you know, really listen to what you need and what is going to be best for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and very often people say, "Well, I don't know what's best for me. How how do I know?" And I feel really with, with as Jews, um, who who are you really? You're really your neshama, and when you really try to get in touch with what your neshama needs and what you need as a person, um, you can then figure out like where you want to go. And what I mean by that is, I think the more learning you do, Torah learning. And, and learning of other things that are, let's say, English books or science-based books or things that are not, that are more powerful, they're not against Torah. I think that you can couple the two to, to attain personal growth. I think there's been a lot of like personal growth, motivational speakers, um, you know, all of this stuff. And I don't feel that we can only as the Jewish people, I don't feel we can only rely on um, sources for inspiration outside our, our Jewish community and outside of our Torah and our, um, our texts and all of the things that are available to us. I think that we need to make an effort to couple the two to be able to really reach who we want to be. Um, and also understand that, like, you never really get there. It's almost like you're running a marathon and somebody keeps moving the finish line. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So, like, we dealt with that. We got through that. Okay. Well, what's next? You know? Yeah. There's always a what's next. Yeah. You're never done. Yeah, you're never done. You're never done. And, and if you are done, you know, you know, people who are done are not living. They're not living. It's like they're not living. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. They made it. Yeah. And I feel
0: like that's what causes a lot of people to go into depression or, you know, sink into despair and like, oh my God, you know, I worked my way up to be this famous actress. Mm-hmm. I made it. Now mm-hmm. what?
1: Now what? Right. Also, listen, it's interesting when you, when you hear about like very successful people, people who have accomplished big things or, um, finished big things very often, right? After reaching that, like that pinnacle of like whatever massive goal they had, they actually had this time where they're like, Oh my God, like I have no purpose.
0: Mm -hmm. What,
1: like, what do I do next? Right. But honestly, we, we're very lucky. I mean, I consider myself very lucky that we have Jewish life to inspire yeah. us. Like, I, you know, until you've learned something 101 times, you haven't really learned it. You know, you could always go back and learn. You know, it's just a drop in the bucket of what, of you know, exactly what you could learn. Exactly. Like, we, we always have a Tyra to go back to.
0: Wow. So I see you're very influenced by your Jewish background, and specifically Chabad. I loved what you said about what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said about if you know Aleph, teach Aleph. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your background,
1: how you got into Chabad? Were you always Chabad? Uh, you know, tell us a little yeah. more. So I grew up in um, a small town outside of Los Angeles. It's called the Agura Hills. Um, if you've heard of it, then, that's really cool because it's very small. <laughs> well, what is it called? Uh, Yeah. Agoura Hills. It's, Agura like a small, it's a small town and Jewishly when, when I was growing up, it was also small and the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe sent shluchim to Agoura Hills to establish, um, Chabad houses and, um, inspire Jewish life in Agoura Hills. Um, my my family was not always from my parents and myself and my brother um we didn't my mother was not always jewish and neither was i um we, yeah we went through a conversion process slash process and our own um spiritual journey in through chabad of oak park which is like right on the border of Agura hills and chabad of Agura hills um And what was interesting about our shul, our Chabad house, is that it was many types of Jews. Like sometimes you have um, Chabad houses that are like mainly Russians or mainly Americans or, um, you know, and then you have most Chabad houses have like a good mix. But the Chabad house I grew up in had like a strong presence of Sephardic Jews. and you know we had people from morocco people from syria people um people who were persian people who yeah oh yeah right you're Persian. um so you know i felt a really strong um like love and passion and excitement around judaism from a young age we we started going there when i was around eight years old and there, there's just something that this Sephardic community brought to the table with the leadership of um, Rabbi Yisrael Levine and Rabbi Shalami Bistritzky. Um They really created as leaders, they're both Ashkenazi, but they created a community where it didn't matter. Like we're one Am Yisrael and everybody is welcome. And we appreciate all your traditions and all of your food, you know, about, you know, with Sephardim, it's like all about the food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I have like these memories of Thursday night going to Shoal and this one's making his chamin, his challenge. This one's making his Moroccan carrots. That one's making, you know, whatever traditional thing. And they owned it. Like this was their community. They were showing up to prepare for Shabbat together there was a certain sense of excitement and pleasure and taking taking part in a community and taking part of like liveliness and excitement connected to being at school. it was like the epicenter um, for them and i really think that it i was actually talking to one of my close friends growing up her family also became from around the same time as us it's actually interesting like four or five of my best friends till today all of our families became from around the same time, like together. So
0: interesting. And at eight years old, did you know you were Jewish?
1: Or did you know that yeah, you were Jewish? Yeah, we had an awareness. Yeah, we went through conversion when I was eight. So um, that was like, we were very into it and very excited about it. I was going to a Jewish day school. It wasn't like uh, people very often ask like, oh, you know, what did you know? You know, you were a little kid. but But that is what I felt. I felt like. We couldn't wait to go to shul. Like we couldn't miss, you know, a Hanukkah program. Like how can we miss some Torah in our shul? Like it was like, nobody was forcing us. Like we wanted to go. You know, I remember like if I was sick one Shabbos or whatever, like I would feel bad that I wasn't there because I felt like I was missing out. And I think that like, that's like an approach to Yiddishkeit or approach to Judaism that is really needed in our generation. Like that children should feel like the excitement Of being in a shul and the excitement of being part of shul programming or you know the kids program or anything we just we felt like we were part of it you know and when I got old enough the rabbi had me and his daughter run the program old enough I mean like 11 years old (laughs) run the kids program but like I was able to be a leader there like this is not like an exclusive club just for like the rabbis and their kids like everybody who had a skill was part of the shul like in a real way so if you were good at There was one woman who was really good at acting and singing and dancing. So they would have like, you know, a girl's like acting club on Sundays, you know, just the rabbi always looked for people's strengths. and would make them feel welcome for who they were.
0: You
1: know, you don't have have to be the, the most religious Jew or the most whatever, like you're a Jew, you're welcome. And we appreciate you for you. That's
0: beautiful. That's so beautiful. And no one feels like they need to be anybody else or to be something that they're not in order to feel accepted.
1: Exactly.
0: accepted by being who you are. You're created in the image of God. And it's exactly. so beautiful.
1: But also, for example, like what I was saying is me and my friends, we all kind of became from around the same time, but we all went to different schools. Like two of my friends went to a more basic school. One good friend was in public school. Um, another good friend went to, um, like a more modern orthodox school. So we ended up with like this close knit group of friends yeah. that were close in every way, but we all had very different, um, drachim. like we had very, very different paths and what is believed to be like, what is true about Judaism. So we ended up in high school, especially spending a lot of shabbatim discussing like, no, my, my, my derech is the way that you have to do things. No, my derech is, right? But right. it kind of created in the end an environment where we learned that, one second, there's many ways of connecting to Hashem. And even though there can be opposing opinions or different ways of doing things, it doesn't separate us. But if we could appreciate our differences and accept each other for our differences, then it can create relationships. Um, and a sense of Achtas that we may not have been able to experience had we not lived in, you know, if the stars hadn't aligned, so to speak, and grew up in this, you know, this neighborhood and, and found ourselves with these, this set of circumstances.
0: That's beautiful. That's really beautiful that you guys came together, even though you're all from different paths and walks of life, and you still respected each other and you loved each other even though you're all very different
1: from one another so right wow you don't find really, that often you honestly. don't and you know i think what's happened naturally is we've ended up like i said like really the jewish people in general um especially in bigger cities have ended up really um being compartmentalized um you know you have like the sephardim have their own shul And then even within the Sephardim, you have like a Syrian shul, a Persian shul, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have a lot of separation. And the truth is, because you're davening a different nusach, and, you know, for just really basic reasons, there is need for separation with Minyanim. But why are we so separate in in every other way? Why can't we have programming that appeals to the whole community? Why can't we get to a better place where we are all... What's interesting is Instagram actually does do that i I see connectivity between jews from all walks of life that wear all different types of hats so to speak or don't wear hats at all and there's togetherness in that and i think it's pretty cool um for sure whatever we don't find in our own communities Yeah. yeah yeah that's beautiful ariella can you tell us some of your hopes and dreams for the world um well, it's like the sky's the limit, <laughs> yeah. but for right now, I'm really, um, building a business. I am focusing on getting better at teaching, um, encouraging other teachers to get better at teaching. Um, it's very interesting to me right now. I want to know more about how to establish school cultures and how to do that. Um, I'd love to run a Tzedakah organization or do something. Connected to Dhaka or chassad because I do have a natural ability to reach people And I want to find a way to be able to do that better and more in a more formal way But that's kind of just the the tip of the iceberg and kind of where where my head's at and where I you know In in the future would like to do and what's the most important value you live by? So I feel that hakara um, Gratitude yeah um, has had like a massive impact on my mindset. Um, when you go through your your life, like looking for ways to thank Hashem or even to thank other people in your life, I think that it causes us to um, just live life in a, in a deeper way. Like I really feel that um, having hakarez and gratitude is super important. Um, and also looking for, for the positive in others or in situations. I, I really feel that um, if you really search for a silver lining and you really search for the positivity in a situation, you're gonna find it. Um, and, and to like be like almost aggressive in doing so. Like this seems really horrible or really not like a good situation or this person is, doesn't seem like a very good person. Like really try to pursue looking at things from a, a positive angle and not for their sake for your own sake um you know and understanding that that hashem places us in every situation and trying to find um make sense of it so to speak even if it's you really can't make sense i think that there's like a there is an element of of pairing having gratitude t- towards hashem and trying to find the positivity within situations or within people
0: mm-hmm What if that person is like extremely toxic or there's someone who is, you know, God forbid abusive or, you know, I think in, I think there's, Mm -hmm.
1: there's balance. I think that um, we have to couple being accepting of others with loving ourselves at the same time. Um, And, and that's different for everybody. So what might be toxic for one person won't be for another person, but I think you need to get really in tune and really, Pay attention to how you feel when you interact with people and notice, notice if there's patterns that have a bad effect on you. I think that with, when it comes to relationships especially, um, there is a time to work on it and to have the conversation and to um, improve and get to a better place in the relationship. And there's a time when you say, this person is not good energy for me. This person is dragging me down. You know, to kind of say, I need some borders and boundaries. And I think there are tactful ways to do that. Um, I think that you, you are able to do that in a way that's not, um, not insulting, especially with people who are not super close to you. But if you start to tune into the way people talk around you, you will see that it does have an effect. Um yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I also feel like if you
0: have this mindset that you're telling people that it also, you you don't think that the world revolves around you. Yeah. Meaning like, you know, when people think a certain way and they feel like everybody's out to get them
1: mm-hmm.
0: or like this person is rude and this person said this thing to me, when you adopt this, you know, this mindset that you were talking about, so, okay, someone will make a negative comment. Someone's a little bit annoying it doesn't get to you because you're looking at it in a positive way and like you realize it has nothing to do with you.
1: Right. Also, you know, it's hard to remember in the moment because like, yeah, it's hard to remember in the moment and we're not, you know, I'm not perfect. Certainly not. Um, And I haven't achieved this completely. I don't think I ever will that like, you know, somebody says something nasty or does something wrong, like to kind of go back to that space of like, Oh, okay somebody's having a hard day or um, you know I I really like the saying hurt people hurt people
0: yeah you know
1: when somebody is hurting very often they lash out or sometimes they lash in maybe they're cold to you or not the most warm or what you're used to but um, you know to remind yourself that it doesn't always have to do with you now it could be that that they are being a certain way because of, as a result of your actions, and then you have to look within and rectify, but if it's, like, you know, kind of random, you know, a nasty comment on the internet, or, you know, whatever it is, we kind of have to say, you know, we have to write it off and be, like, you are not getting in my head right now, like, exactly, you know, I'm sorry that you're hurting.
0: Wow. Ariella, you have inspired me so much right now. I just want to, like, I want to go and like research growth mindset right now. And I want to just like open up a gratitude journal and just get on with it. You know, I I really, you really inspired me and empowered me to adopt this mindset. And I want to take, I can't out of my vocabulary. (laughs) Take it out, take it out. I need to take it out. Like every time I say I can't, like my husband always jokes around with me he's like, you can't, you can't. You can. I'm like, okay. I
1: can. I don't want to. <laughs> so another odd thing is if, um, if you, you, if you can, you can, but the question is, is if you will, you know, if you will. yeah, if you will. And
0: I love what you said about yet the power of yet. I can't, yet. It, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I exactly. love it. So,
1: Ariella, can you tell us where we can find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Teach Their Soul, um, okay. their T H E I R, for those of you who need the grammar lesson, their soul. <laughs> like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on Facebook, Ariella Metal. And that's where you can find me. You can reach out to me. Um, I am starting a growth mindset webinar. Um, and I hope to inspire more people. So if you follow Again. me, I'd like to stay tuned for that and hear more information as it comes. Wow! Thank you very much, Ariella. Thank you for your time. My absolute pleasure. I'm happy we we're able to do this today.
0: Yes, same here. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Take care. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more soul sessions, you can go on sinairadio.com or type in Sinai Radio on all major podcast players and you can see a whole bunch of other soul sessions. And if you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at Soul Train KK. Have a wonderful day.